0: Another episode of Man United Way podcast, I'm your host, Anoy, and today, after a long time, we have a full house with Amin, Arslan, and Bhaskar. United is slowly warming up in the European League, and we are now facing Sevilla in semi-final on this weekend. But before we go ahead and talk about semis, let's take a moment to discuss the last two matches against LASK and Copenhagen. The match against LASK was uh, quite an unnecessary one, but the Copenhagen one, was a really hard fought one and it would be interesting to find what we have to say or what everyone has to say out here about the display that we put up so who wants to go first and share their thought about it
1: yeah i thought the match against copenhagen was a very well fought match by copenhagen because defensively they put in a great shift they were very well organized and like they weren't much of an attacking threat because i don't think romero had a single save to make also in, during the full game but one of the highlights and the standout performances of the game was the goalkeeper who made 13 saves which was the record number of saves uh, yeah. in a Europa league game and uh, that just goes to show like one like obviously when the goalkeeper of a particular game is the standout player it kind of says a lot about the game like definitely we had our spells in attack and we created uh, quite a few chances, a lot of which was chances which we should have converted and a lot of it was due to an amazing performance by the goalkeeper. But overall, I was expecting much more from United because like if you saw like we didn't really press them very hard, we weren't really going for the second balls and the midfield wasn't running the game like how Like we have done like post-lockdown. This has kind of been the way we've been playing since the Southampton game where we are managing to scrape results. But performance-wise, like I was expecting much more, to be honest.
2: Scraping results is like fine if you're doing it like, you know, in some of the games. Like that should not be your style of play. That is not how you should be playing every other game Um, I completely agree with you that since Southampton game, we have been just like scraping vents in, in all the games that we have been playing. So I, I, I think, yeah, we could definitely do with a little bit of, you know, better tempo in the game. The passing is not that quick. Uh, we are very slow, like... Um, initially, during the Premier League, we were thinking that it is all due to fatigue and everything. But I don't think that's the reason anymore. I mean, they have had the players have had their rest. Now we had some gap, yeah, and, uh, and then they like uh, you know we then started our Europa League campaign. So I don't think it's fatigue anymore. I I don't know what really is the cause. Yeah, I agree with you because
1: uh, before Europa League, there was, there was a lot of talks of fatigue and everything. But uh, what these two Europa League games have shown us basically is that when a team is sitting back and uh, waiting for us to attack, like we find it really difficult to break down teams. We were expecting it to change with arrival of Bruno. But obviously, like he himself tried a lot of passes, some of them which worked out, some of them which didn't. But at least he's uh, taking the risks and trying to play those passes. But then again, like... The team overall, I think, finds it very difficult and they don't really have a proper game plan or strategy against this kind of a low-block, sitting-back, defensive football. Like we play I much personally much, feel that, you know, we play the, much the, the, better like when said, the other team is attacking. Like Tanmay said, you know, the Lens
3: match was actually not needed. It was just an irrelevant match just for formality's sake. And regarding the Copenhagen match, I think the players took it easy, you know. They wanted to avoid injuries because the tough games are much ahead. And now the tough games will come and probably Sevilla and everything, you know. And the final being there, the tough matches will come if we could have, you know, gotten an injury or… Because these players have not played for a couple of weeks, you see. So, they're coming back to play again and playing at full capacity. It could cause some injuries. So, they're probably avoiding injuries, I feel. And if I don't think from the next match onwards they would be that slow at attacking or you know pressing, I think from the next match onwards, they will be taking it much seriously. Yeah, it but I
1: don't think they'd be taking it slowly. Also, because uh, you know, like you can take it slow for one particular half or something. Like if you look at it, like we only kicked off in the first half of the extra time, and after that, like second extra time, also again we kind of uh, dozed off. So I don't uh, really uh, agree with you on that fact that like maybe they were taking it easy because if we were taking uh, because most of these players are, uh, were rested because against uh, last a completely different team play and like later on some of the players came on and played for a little while so i don't think it has got to do with rest or injuries i i think it's just that the team finds it difficult to play against which is defensively
0: well structured and marshaled like that i think two questions i wanted to ask from this copenhagen match one of them is fred's performance so we knew that in our strongest 11 we normally land up match in that role but fred came on and how do you think Fred played? And do you think Fred could be a long-term you know, substitute for Matic? Because I don't see Matic playing all the matches or most of the matches in the next season.
1: Yeah, Fred played amazingly well. I think he was one of the standout players of the game till he got substituted. And I think he worked well for that match because Copenhagen was so defensive-minded and they weren't really attacking. So, against bigger opponents where the opponent will be attacking, I guess those matches Matic can play. But where a team is basically going to be sitting back and you need somebody to run with, like, you know, be more aggressive with the ball. I guess those matches Fred will, like, at least it showed that Fred can do a better job.
0: Okay. And the second point, which I wanted to ask, I mean, because uh, he has been talking a lot about Anthony Martial. I mean, his performance was a standout against Copenhagen, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I think, like I said, this has been his best season of his career so far. I would I would go that far to say that this has been his best season and, and everything that he is doing right now, both on the field and off of it, because, you know, a lot of things come from mentality and the way you prepare yourself for the games, the kind of confidence that you show uh, in your own abilities and, you know... Ole said that he literally begged to come on you know against Lask because he knew that there were a lot of open areas open spaces opening up and he uh, promised a goal and then he was and and then he actually scored yeah. so that's, that's something that shows that he is also feeling confident in his abilities and like he's feeling confident every game that he is going to score so these other things are you know really really good to see in him because uh, he lacked it before this season and uh, I think most of the as i said most of the things that he is doing this season uh, are spot on i like he's he's doing he's been phenomenal both attitude wise as well as his his and finishing so he was good in both the games as well i i really liked the way he like conducted himself in both the games although he couldn't get a goal in the in the copenhagen game but i really really like thought that he deserved one
0: I think one more thing I want to bring out and uh, that's one of the most concerning things from the Copenhagen match is how Rashford is not able to convert. Uh, Do you think he's trying very hard or it's just a phase that he's going through and he would be good enough coming in coming to matches.
1: I personally feel looking at him like since the time he's returned from injury post lockdown, I don't think he's fully fit to be honest. Like if you look at him like uh, you look at his pre-lockdown matches, the way he would press, he would run after like you know chase down balls like he isn't putting in that kind of performances and I personally feel because of his injury he doesn't want to over exert and either that it's a mentality thing or the fact that he's maybe fully not at that kind of a level physically due to which he is not being able to put in performances like before.
0: But do you think this could also be due to the partnership because we have seen that Luke Shaw and Rashford together plays really well. Now that we have a new partner out here in Brandon Williams who's excellent in the left back position at his age. But still, we don't see them quite clicking on because those passes and nicks that Rashford is making, uh, Brandon is not able to react at the same time. And I, I, those,
1: yeah, you're you're very right on that point because Brandon is primarily a right back who has played so well in left back position. He's been playing, he's playing as a backup left back. But the fact that he is a right-footed guy, like when he's overlapping Rashford or any other person on the left wing, he obviously not going to put in. Like those crosses or passes because every time he makes a overlapping run also end of the day he has to cut back on his right foot and then make the pass. Which again breaks down the attacking play and kind of slows down the game to an extent. And like I think that fact like somewhere down the line it hampers the play.
0: Right. Let's move on to Sevilla. We, we are going to face them and we all saw how Sevilla played against pools. I mean, they were very fast through the flanks, especially on the right side. Do you think they would be a threat and Brandon would be uh, having a very tough night on the weekend?
1: No, I don't think so. Personally, I'm very happy that we are facing Sevilla instead of Wolves because like, we've played them so many times. Like, Just from a game point of view, I didn't want to watch it. One, because I knew that like it would be a pretty boring game because they'll come out with a five-defender formation and they'll defend and try to hit us on the break what we used to do before pre-Bruno but Sevilla is again a very attacking team so at least one good thing is we'll get a more attacking free-flowing football uh, to watch and secondly I think like when teams are attacking us that is when we do much better because we have very fast attackers as well so we can always counter and put the pressure and break quickly and it will be a much better game to watch at least. And plus, I think we do much better as a footballing team against that kind of uh, attacking play as compared I,
2: I to just teams hope, who are defending deep. I just hope that Ole does not employ his like five defenders oh strategy God, yeah, <laughs> against, Chelsea. against Chelsea because because now we are facing an attacking team and he feels that we need to have five defenders to restrict them. I, I, I seriously think that that would be a very bad idea. I mean, we should mm-hmm. stick to the things that we do well. Yeah. We should try to like, we are good at counter-attacks, we are good at like, like controlling the tempo of the game and then like, you know, uh, playing attack quick, quick attack in football. I mean, this is how we have been able to like uh, win games against the big teams. So, probably uh, doing that here would be good as well. I just hope that I do not see that tactic one more time mm-hmm. this season.
0: True. But there's, there's one important thing that I want to ask to Arslan. That do you think playing our best eleven makes us predictable out here?
3: Well... Everyone knows you will go with the best 11, considering the importance of the match. So, uh, it is not something that you can change. And who can you change? As we've discussed many times in the podcast, the bench is not really strong enough to take on to a big team. And like Bhaskar said, you need your fast players for this match. Because Sevilla is going to come out to hit you quick. And that is when you can counter it. And we've seen every time that you've played big matches and you've had your best 11 out there ole has started with the you know attacking team and they've done very well the results have been there and the, against the top 6 you've done actually the best performance has been against the best teams so i don't think there should be any change it helps manchester united to go with the
0: best eleven okay okay that's my change so like, what do you think about uh, inter playing shakhtar what would be the outcome do you think inter is going to win that because shakhtar really plays well in these, you know, semifinals and finals, whenever they come in. Yeah, Shakhtar and they're a is a very unpredictable team. Yeah, Shakhtar is a very good,
1: well drilled good team who plays some
0: very good football
1: but then again like an end of the day like you know the kind of team and squad uh, Inter Milan have you would expect them to win this match and they have been themselves been on a pretty good run lately they've finished second like it was a close second in this area and they've played pretty well in Europa, also, Lukaku seems to be on a scoring spree, so you would expect like one would expect like Inter to win unless Shakhtar pulls off pulls off a miracle and does something which shocks the world and they win. But like just from the team on paper, you would expect Inter to win it easily.
2: I mean, they are a Champions League team. They were playing in the Champions True. League. It's just that they couldn't get out of the group stages because of which they are like in Europa League. But I, I, I don't really think that Shakhtar will be able to beat them. Uh, it is very unlikely. I mean, anything can happen in, in these two. In these Especially two it
1: being I a think. one-legged game.
2: Yeah, but uh, Inter is most likely going to uh, win their semi-final against Shakhtar. And uh, hopefully, if you're able to you know, get past Sevilla, it's going to be Inter and... United in the finals. It it, it is looking very likely though.
3: This is the favorite, but but psychologically, I would not want to face all those players that we kicked out, you know, because they'll be very motivated to prove their point against Manchester United. So that's yeah. gonna be a, a X X that could play as the X factor, you know, for Inter if we face Inter later onwards. But
0: we also know more about those players than anyone else, isn't it? So that could also be an advantage for us. Yeah, but
3: but clearly they were not performing at the level they are right now at Inter. No. Yes, those but their weakness really did do it for you.
1: Their yeah, yeah, weakness but, hasn't uh, changed, isn't it? Game. Yeah. yeah, but I like just when the Europa League draw itself happened, the first thing I said was that I hope we face Inter in the finals. If not for anything else, just like, you know, because none of these players who like, I I agree, like Ashley Young has been a good player for us. So I don't have anything against him, but like Sanchez and Lukaku for the kind of like the way they have been in in the United shirt and like especially Lukaku. Like, I would want us to face them and beat them. Like, I, I would rather face them and beat them pretty badly. And uh, have a, I, because I think, like, United players would also have a point to prove.
2: It is going to be a very weird game. Obviously, like, we all wanted Inter versus United final and hopefully we will get one. <laughs> But it is going to be very weird because these players were like, you know, very big flops. Like Ashley Young is a completely different story. Like he divides the fan base like anything. But I, I, Alexis Sanchez was and Lukaku, they were not like playing at their potentials. And they have been doing quite well at Inter. So that, that says a lot about how United was being managed as well. So it's not... Uh, I understand that like they have a point to prove against United and things like that but but if you look at the players and and you know the way they have started performing immediately after they left United I mean it gets you to think that you know, we were probably not using these personnel that well, uh, accurated as well.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget, like uh, when Lukaku was on the verge of leaving, he put out those training stats, which kind of pissed off the whole United squad. Like when he put put, yeah. put out those, like you know, running stats of the United squad, yeah. like almost everybody was pretty angry with him about that because those were confidential information of in game, like you know, in, behind the closed doors uh, training stats and all of players, which he put out in public domain so I, I don't think like United players will also be taking that too easily they like it would be a good motivating factor for them also to f- first of all to play a big team like Inter because uh, let's face it like facing Copenhagen and facing Inter Milan like you mentally prepare yourself much differently because like uh, even though it is Europa League game like if you're facing a Inter Milan or something like you would Like, you know, it's a much bigger opponent and you like you yourself, you would be pumped to face them as compared to Copenhagen or Alaska.
2: No, so United players were also not very happy with the way this whole saga went down. Like, if you remember, uh, uh, Lukaku had posted something uh, that they are playing Champions League and something like that and then they uh, were not able to get past the group stages and then they, you know, were dropped to Europa League and then uh, uh, Luke Luke Shaw actually (laughs) responded welcome back to Europa League and Uh something like that. So, So, I'm sure the players uh, the squad has not forgotten, uh, forgotten that as well uh, but I think it was a kind of relationship where uh, neither of the parties were uh, getting any benefit like nor these players nor the club were getting any benefits and now that they have parted ways both of them are, are better off you know at this stage now so uh, I think it is going to be uh, something that is going to play on their minds and all the involved parties will try to do their best and like win that game. True.
0: Just one stat that I want to discuss out here, and I'm not tr- trying to troll Sanchez, but the day after Sanchez signed the deal, one match he played and now he's injured once again. Does it remind you of anything that used to happen in the United States?
1: No, I just feel good riddance. Like you know, even (laughs) the fact that like you know he went for a free, I wasn't happy that like you know we didn't get any transfer fee out of him. But then considering the amount of wages we saved by getting rid of him, and plus like you know the kind of character, at least from what you hear that the kind of character he is in the you know locker room and stuff like he is not really the most gives out most the most positive vibe in the camp. So, I'm happy that he's gone and if he's injured,
0: like, I hope he's fit again at least so that he can play and we can beat him. Right. So, moving on to the Champions League, I think we are all watching it uh, nowadays and last night, Atlanta versus PSG was amazing. Uh, It was a treat to watch but we know that today we have uh, Atletico Madrid versus uh, RB Leipzig. Any uh, any results outcome what you're planning or what yeah
1: you think? i i think leipzig after warner uh, like you know Werner's transfer i think obviously they won't be as strong as like you know they were in earlier stages because let's face it like warner what their was their main player but uh, obviously you can't uh, take away like the like you know the rest of the team and obviously like minglesman is a very good coach and you would expect him to prepare well for the game but then again like uh, given atletico madrid and the way they play and the way they set up especially for these tournament kind of games like you would expect them to like you know both the hell out of everybody by playing defensive and then somehow nicking a goal and winning the game like that is all like you know when I see the fixture only. That is the only thing that comes to my mind that like, you know, boring football, one goal and like, you know, them winning the game.
3: Given the match, Simeone is going to prepare like he he is good at a job, you know, when these tournament knockout tournaments come, he has shown he's reached twice these finals and not one. It's a different thing, but he has reached it twice and he's really difficult to beat in these tournaments when it comes to the motivation of players and getting the work done. He really does it well. That's his biggest call, you know. These tournaments, yeah, league, it's he, when, not been great league for him ever, but tournaments, these tournaments, he's doing very well.
1: Yeah, because when we talk about well-drilled teams, like he's the team which comes to anybody's mind. Because, like mm-hmm. you know, when they come out on the pitch, you know what you're going to, like you know what you can expect out of them. Maybe not, not the most fanciest of I football, did. but mm-hmm. like you know, hundred percent commitment from the players. Yeah, absolutely.
3: For a matter of fact, that they're still in the tournament when they face the best team that is there in Europe shows a lot about them.
0: True. And they were always uh, defeated by Ronaldo, and this time Ronaldo is out, so they have a clean path ahead, isn't
3: it? Yeah, absolutely. They're not scared of anybody now. That was the, you know, kryptonite who's gone now. The mental block. Yeah, which is. And for Arabi for, uh, Leipzig, this is a very new thing, you know, playing such a high place. But uh, the Atletico Madrid team they've been to been here many times. So that factor is also playing. And so it's one leg match, so you know, it's yeah. the mentality also which carries a lot. the
1: of Yeah, and also like the fact that it is a one-legged match, like you can't say because one match, anybody can have a bad day, anybody can have a bad performance and anything can happen. So, just the fact that these are all one-legged games kind of increases the chance of like, you know, anybody kind of winning it. If it was over two legs, like you would like be definitely like hands down. Atletico is going to win it or nick it or something like that. Because they'll play for a nil-nil draw and then at home they'll try to nick it and stuff like that. But uh, just the fact that it's a one-legged game, like anything can happen. And same with the other legos, like other games
0: also. I think the next match is the pick of the quarter-final, that is Bayern versus Parca. Uh, who do you think will win? Well, I'm hoping You Bansa know where my vote goes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm hoping Barsa wins. Uh, And Bata has been in terrific form Like uh, Lewandowski, it's a shame that this season there's no Ballon d'Or Because he was a clear winner to get it but uh, otherwise, like the kind of season he's had. Do
2: you mean Barca or do you mean Bayern? Sorry, I think you mean Bayern.
1: Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like the kind of uh, season Bayern's been having, like the kind of, especially after lockdown, the amount of goals they've been scoring, like you would expect them to win,
0: beat Barca quite badly, in fact. The last time how Messi treated Botang and Bayern is still fresh in the memory. So would not be an See, listener, it's just, for sure. just
3: that factor you know just that messi yeah. if he has his day then nobody can stop him in the world it doesn't matter which team is against him it's a different ball game but otherwise if messi just has a normal day at work absolutely bayern is going to beat them
1: yeah but i i everybody but try. everybody keeps talking about messi beating like you know literally bullying Boetang and everything but everybody keeps forgetting how bayern beat them 7-0 over two legs i think it was in the 13 14 season or something like that
3: yeah that's the, like i said you know it, it just just depends for barcelona it completely depends on messi otherwise if you compare the 11 starting elevens the barcelona team is absolutely not even going to compare it to them you know they can't even compete in the same yeah team. and barcelona hasn't
1: yes. been in the best of forms also like absolutely.
2: it's a shame that they are not handing out pelendor this year because i think yeah. everyone agrees yeah, that yeah. lewandowski you know thoroughly deserved it this year
0: you never know should could have still gone to messi somehow they would have found yeah, him yeah you messi. never know yeah.
2: yeah
3: probably if he wins the champions league they will bring it back you never know they yeah. like change in plan you know we are going to
2: give it to him <laughs> all right city versus leon should be a
0: straightforward one we saw how leon played in his juve i don't see them going past city anyone thinks otherwise i have no comments all right.
2: I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen either. I think City is gonna make that one very
1: very Yeah, I think it's an easy win for City.
0: We were actually talking about uh, the Qatar versus Abu Dhabi final in the end, with PSG qualifying from one end and City qualifying from the other end, even though they have to beat anyone between Bayern and Barcelona, and of course Leon to reach to the final. But mm-hmm. it's a possibility. Yeah, the battle, kind of battle of the petrodollars. Yeah. <laughs> That could be yeah. some advertising, you know, in
1: yeah. the Middle East. going
3: bring out a lot of shakes, uh, I would say.
1: And both the teams would be like, like it would be a big thing because both the teams have been struggling for ages to win the Champions League. And but with this only, happening, I think the Saudis South
3: will want to play a part in it, you know. They will go full on, we want a team now, right? Like, give it to us also, mm. we want to be there also.
2: That's the only trophy that these guys have not won yet. Like, I think they've won everything else that was there. Uh, domestic, yeah, kind of both both, had, both, of, both, of, both them of them won everything. But but uh, funny how uh, Marquinhos was like the villain uh, who considered the penalty last year uh, against United, and this year he was the guy who actually saved them by scoring that goal that actually brought them to one-one, and then like this scored the second one in the dying minutes of the game. So honey, funny how things change in football, huh? Yeah,
1: absolutely, but he has always been a good player.
0: Okay. <laughs> Any thoughts about the Jaden Sancho saga that's going on oh, right
2: now? why why did we not talk about this? Uh, we have like, we've been speaking for the last thirty minutes, and this is where you bring up Jaden Sancho, then why?
0: We have to. We have to bring the well, biggest elephant in the room. In the end.
3: The best thing is to avoid because it is just going on and on. You know, the media guys are making money putting up the same news that comes up.
1: Right. I, I think like from Bayern's point of view, like uh, they made it quite clear that uh, they want uh, before lockdown. Cannot not it's Bayern,
0: like, it's Dortmund. Our order is wrong with <laughs> <laughs> that. I, even I, though Bayern controls Dortmund, we yeah. understand that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, from yeah. Dortmund's point of view, you can't I think, say
2: it Pascar, in like this. is, <laughs> is pretty upset about the Jaden Sanchez. Yeah, article. man, I would,
1: that day. I just lost my shit Like when the news came out and <laughs> Zoc post, like you know, gave that to give those comments because I thought he was uh, pretty clear. Like actually, from their point of view, like now it's basically how all the reporters are reporting that it's basically been turned into a poker game where. Both the teams are making comments and uh, each team is putting out news one in the German media, one in the British media and both are trying to like see you know like who calls each other's bluffs. And uh, but I think from uh, Dortmund's point of view, they they had set the price quite some time back. And what is not right is that they are not showing a- any flexibility with respect to the price, given the kind of COVID situation that has happened and uh, which has pretty much uh, affected all o- like the whole world. And countries are going into recession. Uh, I think UK has just announced that they are going into recession. And considering that, like from Dortmund's uh, side, I think there should have been some flexibility with uh, with respect
2: to. But- the it's, Bhaskar, I, I think this is all like some some PR uh, campaign. Yeah, no, so let, me, so, so, yeah,
1: so let me finish. So, but uh, give, they have set the price, but they showed flexibility in terms of structuring the payment because from what we hear, like they didn't want the full amount at one go, the whole 120 million. They said that fine, 120 million is what we want. But like, obviously you can structure it over two years or three years, at least from what the reports we are hearing. So that is the flexibility we've showed. But then again, like knowing Woodward, I'm pretty sure he must have gone in with a 50 million bid with 20, 30 million add-ons and stuff like that, which nobody is going to agree to. And the deal is basically dragging on like each and every one of our deals. So I think all United fans are used to this by now. But yeah, like just the fact that like we are all used to this, but it's just the difference is just that like the opponent quoting director never comes out and gives a remark like this openly which Zork has done
2: it's definitely not fun anymore (laughs) this entire saga is definitely not fun anymore and uh, I don't think like it's completely one club's fault or something like that I think I think like United could have done the negotiations in a better manner and a lot of the things that we hear about uh, like Dortmund not being flexible and things like that I think it's just positive PR from United side no they, they haven't been flexible about
1: the price but they've been flexible about like the way to structure the deal. So that that also is a kind of like, you know,
0: giving us a lever to make the deal. But any one of us think that this is not going to happen, this transfer is not going to happen.
1: No, I think like we are too heavily invested in this for it to not happen. So I feel it will happen. But as usual, like the whole joy of the whole transfer will be, sucked out of it by the time it happens?
2: The pain is very much real, yes. The pain, (laughs) it's, it's, it's not enjoyable anymore. Even if it does happen by 5th of October, I think most of us would have would have been pretty much <laughs> gone crazy by then. Well,
0: I, I think, yeah, let's put it in a way that we are not really worried about how it's going to happen. And if we believe that it's going to happen, let's just keep our hopes high that it is going to happen.
1: Maybe the 7th of September. Who knows? Number 7.
0: Let's see. Let's see. Well, thank you so much for joining in. And that's a wrap for this week. We hope that we speak next week with the United beating Sevilla and firming their place in the finals of European League. Thank you so much once again. Have a nice day. Goodbye.